I love the book of Psalms. The writing is so honest and authentic and often really raw with emotion. Today we will hear selections from Psalm 143, not Psalm 133 that's printed in the bulletin. In this passage, the writer is calling out to God and is longing for God's faithfulness, righteousness, and love. The writer is grateful for God and wants God to lead the way into the future. I often think of the book of Psalms as individual pleas to God. And I think a lot of us probably interpret them like that. But I also like to think about them as a collective prayer to God, a prayer that the body of Christ offers up. If we switch all the eyes to we's, the words of this psalm are just as poignant and fit for today's reflecting on what we, the church, are called to be and to do. The second reading we will hear today is reminding the early followers of Christ about how they should be acting in community. Clearly, the people in the new church in Philippi were having trouble treating each other with love and respect. And so, along with unity, the Apostle Paul appeals to the people for unity, humility, and love. And this stands in stark contrast to the honor-seeking that prevailed among the Roman leaders in society. It was all about them. End of story. So what the Apostle Paul is sharing, that it isn't all about us individually, is radical. In our times here and now of greediness and division and hatred, these two scripture passages challenge us, the church, the body of Christ, to be loving and inclusive and courageous. Being the church doesn't mean just showing up once a week on a Sunday morning or maybe perhaps once a month. Being the church is an everyday commitment to striving to be God's people in all that we do and say. Listen now to these holy words of scripture. Good morning. Psalm 143, selected parts. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications in your faithfulness. Answer you me in my righteousness. Oh, in your righteousness. I remember the days of old. I think about all your deeds. I meditate on the works of your hand. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Let me hear your steadfast love, for in you I put my trust. Teach me the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. Let your good spirit lead me on a level path, for I am your servant. And from Philippians 2. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. 
Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Do everything readily and cheerfully. Go out into the world as a breath of fresh air. Provide people with a glimpse of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the light. May God bless our understanding of this reading. Thanks be to God. I wish you all could get a glimpse into my childhood room on Park Place in Durham, Connecticut. What you would see was an eclectic mix of toys and books, knickknacks, I'm a collector of things, and quotes plastered around my room. Quotes on posters and quotes I had handwritten out, quotes that inspired me as a young person to be a more loving person and to make the world a better place. You see, as I've said over and over again, I grew up in a home where my parents taught us, but also modeled how you can change the world, that one person can make a difference. And so that's what I grew up with. And so I was a kind of quirky, unique child when I was growing up. And I recently found a folder that I have of letters that I wrote to, yes, the President of the United States of America <laughs> and the Superintendent of Schools in Regional District 13 and other prominent people, perhaps telling them how to do their job better <laughs> and perhaps trying to make the world a more peaceful and loving place in my humble mind as a child. I really loved church, as you all know, when I was growing up. I think partly because I could be my quirky, deep-thinking, world-changing self. And they loved me for who I was. And also, when I went to church as a young person, I felt like we were doing something together to make the world a better place. And what more do we need in life? And what does our faith call us to? But to make the world a more loving and peaceful and just place. Luckily, we all belong to a denomination that has been doing that for decades. The United Church of Christ is a relatively young church. But we were brought together by four denominations. And you've heard David say these firsts before, but we were the first, or our predecessor, to ordain an African-American person in 1785. The United Church of Christ, our denomination, or our predecessor, was the first to ordain a woman in 1853. Across our country in churches, women don't always get to preach. Pretty amazing, in 1853, our denomination. And then our denomination was the first mainline Protestant denomination to ordain an openly gay man in 1972. We are part of this body of Christ that is courageous and is loving and is inclusive. Every now and then, the UCC does like an ad campaign to get our voice out there. And about three years ago, 
the National of the UCC put out the Be the Church. You can read them, protect the environment, care for the poor, forgive often, reject racism, fight for the powerless, share earthly and spiritual resources, embrace diversity, love God, and enjoy this life. When the UCC put out this campaign to reclaim our identity, said we were unapologetically Christian. This was based on the gospel that we know and we love. I feel like sometimes in our lives we can take notice of how we want to live by someone who is an example of a good way of living. But sometimes we notice how we don't want to be. Remember, a decade or two ago, I heard the story of Mahatma Gandhi and how he was a very active Hindu man but loved learning about Jesus and Jesus' teachings. He was fascinated by Jesus Christ and wanted to learn more. So he was in Calcutta, his home, and he went to a local church, and there at the door stood an usher who would not let him in because he wasn't the right class and he wasn't the right race. Gandhi has gone on to say that he still loved Jesus and wanted to learn more about Jesus, but he did not want to be part of a church like that. I don't want to be a part of a church like that either. I don't want one of our ushers standing at the door and saying, you can't come in because you don't look like us, or you can't come in because of who you love, or you can't come in because you don't make enough money. Don't you know we're in Glastonbury after all? Or you can't come in because you're too old, or you're too young, or you're too liberal, or you're too conservative. I don't want to go to a church like that. Be the church. Those statements, they're controversial in some circles, they're political, and they're challenging. But what are we called to be as the beloved church? I'm part on Facebook of a group called The Cohort, which used to be the 20 and 30 clergy group, but we are aging, and so many of us are no longer in our 20s and soon to leave our 30s. So it's called the cohort, and it's a great group, and it's a lot of resource sharing. Hey, All Saints Sunday is coming up. Do you have any liturgy you like? Or things like that, that only church nerds really like. However, it's a great group. And about a week ago, a colleague who I have never met and don't know, Pastor Leah, who's out in Illinois, and her church is right near the University of Illinois' campus. And three years ago, around this time, that the UCC was putting out Be the Church, her church was re-envisioning what it meant to be church. And what it meant not only to be the physical church, but to be the church outside of the four walls. And they did a lot of research, and they came to find out there were a lot of people with food insecurity. Homeless people, yes, but also kids who were going to college, who were on a tight budget, and others. So they did research and found out that on Monday nights there was no free meal offered in their city. So they started Jubilee Cafe 
The philosophy of it is that everybody comes in and is welcome just as they are. They sit at round tables where people, they are served just like you are at a restaurant. This is radical. A lot of soup kitchens are moving this way, but for generations, they were not. You were in a line and you kind of put your head down and you got your food, but here they are served nutritious food from the local farms and like these like four course meals. Together they sit at these tables, students and older folks, black, white, and brown, all together at these tables at Jubilee Cafe. Pastor Leah writes every week about what happened that Monday night. And I was finding myself in this culture of negativity and hatred and division, kind of obsessively reading the stories. Just two weeks ago, they had 89 people there to eat. 29 volunteers, and they were short-staffed. Because you need to cook, you need to clean up, you need to serve. In came one of the regulars, Gina, dragging her rolling suitcase and a bag over each arm. She went right up to Pastor Leah and said, Oh man, last week I forgot to get my new pillow. Can I have it this week? And she said, absolutely. She could hear where Gina was sitting because of her hacking cough. And it's only getting colder, Pastor Leah thought, and she sleeps on the street. Only nine more days, though, Pastor Leah, nine more days, and then I can go stay with my family. Nine more days. After dinner, Pastor Leah got that brand new soft pillow and handed it to Gina. She said, it's all just so hard. It's just so hard. And she hugged that pillow. She went to leave five or 10 minutes later and she was dragging that suitcase and the bag on each arm and the suitcase got stuck in the door jam and it twisted the handle and her umbrella fell out of her hands and she dropped one of the bags and burst into tears said it's just so hard. You know, Pastor Leah, that I'm going to have to panhandle for breakfast tomorrow morning. And so Leah said, well, why don't you take some of the bread from the free table? Panera donate, donates it. She said, I can't eat that bread. It's too hard. I haven't been to the dentist in a decade. Tears are streaming down Gina's face, and she embraces Pastor Leah like she's her long-lost best friend. And in the hallway, when people are trying to scurry here and there, all it is is Gina and Leah hugging. It's all just so hard. It's all just so hard. Leah reflects when you can't do much of anything concrete to help, just holding the space for the person is the best we can do. So that's what we did in the stairwell of this beloved church between the outside harsh and cruel world and Jubilee Cafe. We held space for Gina to not be so tough the way she has to be on the streets. 
I'm convinced that at one point or another, hopefully it won't be because we're homeless, but that we will all utter those words to God, it's all just so hard. It's all just so hard. I believe we will utter those words, but I am hopeful that we will have a place like that hallway in that church in Illinois where someone will hold us and dry our tears and where we will come just as we are, hungry, addicted, depressed, anxious, rich or poor, Democrat or Republican, we will come just as we are because we know we can and we know it's safe and we know we are loved. Be the church. It might be controversial or challenging, but I want to have the church that has the door wide open that not only says welcome, but says, we've been waiting for you. To be the church takes people. It takes time and talent and, yes, your money. It takes patience and love and hope. But our faith is clear. We are to be the people, the body of Christ, that loves and includes and gives hope. One of those quotes on my bedroom wall was the Margaret Mead one. You know that quote? A small group of thoughtful people can change the world. It's the only thing that ever has. A small group of thoughtful people can change the world because it's the only thing that ever has. Well, friends, that's what our faith is calling us to do to be that thoughtful group of people that swings the doors open wide and says, welcome, we've been waiting for you. There's work to do, and we've got to get going. Amen. <laughs>